Welcome to Diary of an Unemployed Actor with me, Milo Dennison. Each week, I speak with up-and-coming actors, actresses, and filmmakers about the entertainment industry. We discuss success, failure, and share a few tips to inspire those of you who have a passion for the creative arts. Today, I'm speaking with Adam Broomfield Strawn. He is a London-based actor and presenter and um, motivational speaker, really, I should say. In his bio, it actually says that he does life coaching and he has a life coaching website and offers the service. And it totally is valid in his case because in speaking with him, he's a very motivational way of talking. And a few times he actually says things that you could easily just kind of quote as memes. And we actually mentioned that in the discussion. Uh, we start off a bit uh, off track where we are talking about our experience with uh, Tough Mudder, which is a race and uh, kind of just eating healthy and being healthy, which I think is really important, especially for performers because of so much of what we do is based upon what we, how we look and how we sound and we need to be able to be somewhat healthy in order to do that. We also get into a fascinating discussion about... Um, presentation and being a presenter and he's got a lot of fascinating tips and tricks that you can use if that is something that you're interested in getting into about like walking and hitting your marks and speaking directly to camera and using auto auto cue uh i do need to say that we are using zoom i've been using zoom to record all of these podcasts so far and there are a couple points in the conversation where the uh, connection kind of uh, frizzes out a little bit due to lo- slow quality. And um, it's they're very short, just a couple moments. So it won't interfere with the conversation. And it certainly won't prevent you from getting a lot of great information from this discussion. So with that, as always, we're going to do a quick little break for a word from a sponsor. And then on to Adam Brunfield Strawn. Enjoy. Uh, well, let's jump into this, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Uh, though I do want to ask you, because I did see mm-hmm. that you had a picture, this isn't acting related, but I saw that you had a picture of yourself uh, w- with a Tough Mudder t-shirt on. Yeah. Have you done it more than once or just once, or how many times have you done it? I've done three. Three of them. Okay. What years? Ooh, 2014, 15, and 16, so I've done Wales. Uh, Wales, London, and there's one just outside of Winchester. And I've done another one, um, which was actually the original version of Tough Mudder called Tough Guy, uh, which makes Tough Mudder, Tough Mudder is very commercial. Like, you know, it's kind of like anyone can do it. The Tough Guy is that one was way tougher. I mean, oh, really? it's real. Yeah, I did like the mar- the marathon distance. So it's like doing, it's the equivalent of doing Tough Mudder, uh, but doing it for like eight and a half, nine hours nonstop. It's such a cool thing. You've got to do one. Tough guy? I've done Tough Mudder. That's why I was asking, actually. Oh, sweet. What, what one did you do? I, I did. In, I was living in Ireland in 2014. So I did the Tough Mudder in Ireland in 2014. And I nice. think that was like the first year they did it there, maybe second year uh-huh. or something like it was relatively new to it. Uh, and it was funny because I, uh, I was working, I, was, I had a corporate job at the time and a buddy of mine at work was like, hey, we should do Tough Mudder. And like me and a couple of the other guys there were like, yeah, let's mm-hmm. do it. So we all start training except for the one guy that suggested it. 
And oh. he was, yeah, he bailed and he's like, no, <laughs> but the rest of us did it. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. I mean, there were some, there were some real things there that you, I don't know if it was, if it was the same where you were, but did you see any guys dressed in like mankinis and like, you know, slightly silly stuff? And you think you're really going to regret that halfway through? <laughs> no. And that's, I know that there are pictures like that when I check the yeah. website, you see those, but there yeah. really weren't. I mean, there were a couple of people that kind of a little bit, but not to that extent. Yeah. Oh man, I had long. I had like proper, uh, proper cross country shoes on rather than regular trainers. I had gloves on, uh, a long sleeve top, and and proper like running leggings. So because you, you've got Jesus, you got elect, you got like electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. You know where you you've got the where you'll know you, you know the electric fences, the nettles, and everything. And it's like you don't want any part of you being exposed because. It's really, I mean, those electric shocks, you would have been hit by some as well. They're not, they're not tiny, are they? They're not a double A battery. These are. Yeah. You really notice them. Yeah. My, my hard one was the, uh, the big tub of uh, ice water. Did, did you have that one in one of yours? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, uh, Arctic enema. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, that one I didn't much care for. Oh, I love that. I love that because I was, (laughs) oh no, I loved it. Because I was so hot by the time I got there, that plunging through that was like, oh, that's so, because it just cooled me down so quickly. Oh, so for, yeah. They had that at kind of the beginning of ours. So maybe that was the problem. They should have had it later on. Oh, no. We had ours halfway through. And, and by the time you got to that, you were so hot. And obviously you were dirty and everything. And you, you'd maybe been stung by stinging nettles. So to, yeah. to jump in that ice was like perfect. It was just like a really woke you up and kept you going again. Uh, they didn't have a nettle one when I did it. They had the electric one, but nothing with nettles. Well, ours, ours was just like the course went through some nettles and there oh, was um, okay. the wires hanging down. So you had to crawl on your belly through yeah. stinging nettles with the, electric, <laughs> with the electric shock above it. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I would do it again. I'm a glutton for punishment. I would do it again. I would do it again, too. Like, I need to uh, get better back in shape a little bit because obviously I haven't been to the gym since lockdown, but, um, oh, yeah, yeah, that would, yeah, that'd be my big, so I guess for anyone listening, <laughs> we should probably explain what we're talking about. So Tough Mudder is, is it 12 miles long? It, it, I don't remember the full length of it, but it's quite I long. I think it's, I think it's only about eight. Eight. Okay. So eight, eight mile long, uh, obstacle mm-hmm. course and, uh, yeah. and they're good obstacles. I mean, uh, climbing over stuff, a lot of mud, yeah. uh, hence the name. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it was a lot of fun and, but you definitely have to train for it. That would be my big one is I would run more in my training, uh, to get the more of the distance running. And I would not wear, I just wore like a normal t-shirt. So by uh, the end, I mean, this might sound weird, but my nipples were like chafed like yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the, from the running with the shirt on. And, and so I had to take the shirt off, but, uh, yeah. yeah, that'd be my big yeah. lessons. I mean, mine because yeah, you've got everything there. I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't find the running so much of a problem because you, you kind of you run to the next obstacle and then if there's a lot of people, you have to wait around. The thing that I do yeah. say to people quite a lot is it is overall fitness, and the best thing you can do to train for Tough Mudder is to go to some kind of a boot camp, something where you do press subs pull ups you're doing it you're using equipment outside you might be picking up a, a little log or a little weight or something or other because it is it is full body 
rather than it's very different to running a half marathon or, or just regular going to the gym. You need something where it is circuit training. I think circuit training as well is, is very, very good for training. But it's, um, yeah, it's a very good thing to do. Team building, bonding exercise. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When the four of us got done, we were just like the happiest cats in town with how impressed we were with ourselves. Yeah. I've only ever, I've only ever done it on my own. Like everything, everything that I do tends to be on my own because I'm just so competitive and I've done events where I've been, you know, somebody's holding you back and it, it sounds as if I'm not a team player. I really am if it's a team thing, but if I'm doing something and, and like somebody's holding you back, I'm just sort of like, why didn't you do your training? Just come on. <laughs> and I, cause I just, I just want to get on with it and smash it as soon as possible. It's like, you know, like, I've done multiple marathons, but they've all been solo marathons. Uh, just me, not even London. It's just wait on this date, I'm going to go and run a marathon and I've got a route and I go out and do it just on my own for uh, four and a half hours or so. So, wow. so do you, you obviously exercise pretty regularly then? What are you doing for exercise now if, the, if all the gyms are closed? Well, I guess they just reopened, but. So, yeah, I mean, I haven't been, I haven't been back yet. I'm kind of trying to stay away from the gyms and stuff. So, um, lots of running, you know, kind of mm, averaging, so nine and a half miles a day. Good. Um, so, so I go out for a long one takes mm, hour and a half ish. Um, and then I've got some bands that I bought. I saw an Instagram thing. So I've got these bands that you can attach handles to. Yeah. And I just have all of the bands attached. And I go to the exercise equipment in the park around the corner and attach the bands. Let's just do a full workout outside with bands, resistance bands. Have you always been really healthy? No, I've always been kind of healthy for up until about, to uh, up until the beginning of 2018 i suppose from the age of about 20 mid 20s so from mid 20s until i was um 47 i was kind of like going to the gym and everything but i didn't have the cleanest diet i was very much a real heavy meat and cheese and chicken and yeah. so I, I, I had a lot of size but I would have had a lot of cholesterol and some badness in me but I, I went um I went fully vegan in January 2018 so I've been a lot cleaner since then okay more more health I'm in better shape now than when I was you know when I was like 18 19 for sure really okay because I was mm -hmm. curious about mm -hmm. that uh, because obviously as as we age you know we start to deteriorate they say and so you're you're actually saying uh -huh. because you're taking better care of yourself that you're healthier now yeah yeah exactly but the only to, to be fair the only reason that we i mean nobody dies of old age you know we all we, we all die of something but but nobody in the history of ever has died of simply being old it's it's not a thing when we think about old people and you go oh you get arthritis and you get this and that and the other well, the only reason we get this, that, and the other is because for at least 50 years, we've been putting all of this crap in our body that gradually builds up over time. It's like, you know, if you look over after a, a classic car and you drive it properly and you give it the right fuel and you, you look after the engine, it will carry on going forever. But if you just drive it and rag it and, you know, don't change the oil and, and whatever, 
then it's it's going to gradually break down. So it's it really is about you know not just what we do to your body, but what you put in it. But you can reverse the damage as well. You know there are there are people who are running marathons in their you know their their eighties and nineties, and you look at these people and you just go, dude, you're incredible. Like they're not you got pensioners that are bodybuilders and they just look incredible. Yeah, no, I agree. I think a lot of it too has to do with just living a uh, you know sedentary lifestyle. Mm. Once you get to a certain age too, is you're not going out mm. and doing as much, and so to kind of force mm. yourself to stay active. And and that's that's been mm. mine. I've been trying to force myself to you know, go for a jog a few times a week and that kind of stuff versus yeah. just sitting at home. Oh, well, I think it's, it's, it's human nature. We want to be comfortable. Is is the reason that it's so difficult to get out of bed in the morning especially at the moment you know if you're not working or anything it's like oh i don't have to get out of bed i could sleep all day i I just you know i could stay in bed all day just on facebook instagram watching youtube videos getting into you know (laughs) online arguments about whether to wear a mask or not and just you know you could do that but you have to make yourself um you have to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable and human nature is if something's uncomfortable, we don't want to do it. But yeah, no, I agree. Like it's the same thing with going to the gym. I hate going to the gym. I don't like the experience at all, but I always have to remind myself of how I feel after the exercise or even after the run or anything like that is yeah. like, I hate doing this while I'm doing it, but remember how you feel good afterwards. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's start talking about acting instead of uh, physical health. Yeah. Here, <laughs> since that's the purpose of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> We can edit all of that out. <laughs> oh no, I'll, I'll leave most of it in. Um, I, I think it's. I think it's interesting. And well, you even it's valid. It's. I think it's still relevant, especially for actors, because so much of what an actor's job is is based on how you look. Uh, you know, agree or disagree with that? Yeah, well, you you yeah, get a lot definitely. of the roles based upon your appearance. Yeah. You know? The first thing they see is your is your the headshot. I mean, yeah. I don't get you know my agent. Um, doesn't really put me forwards for much stuff that is, you know, mid to late forties because literally it's just my headshots don't look it. You know, I, I look mid to late thirties, so it's like there's there's no point putting me up for those because they're just going, you don't you don't look like you're that old, and the better you look, the longer you're in the game. So that's it. Well, you started at a bit later as well because uh, according to your bio here, you started at forty two. After leaving the corporate world, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, why, started uh, very late. Yeah. So what's that story? Is that something you kind of always wanted to do, and the leaving the job was the the turning point? It was. I would say it was a gradual thing. What happened was I kind of I left school and didn't really know what I wanted to do, and I kind of stumbled through just doing any sort of job. I didn't have loads of qualifications. I got like three GCSEs, and that's it. And um, I went through factory jobs and and all sorts, and then I stumbled into sales, which led on to other sales um, sales jobs. And I kind of I, I I went down the route, the wrong route of pursuing money and going, I want to wear a suit or have a company car. And it was it was very ego driven, you know. You want you want to have a company car and be successful and all of this. And then when I got to probably you know, forty forty one. I'd really, really had enough of it, and I was doing stand up comedy. And uh, a guy that I knew 
through stand-up was doing background work. So what I ended up doing was um, on quiet days, because I was in field sales, so I could basically, I was out on my own all day long, unsupervised. And um, I would look at the very quiet days and then I would actually go off on some of those quiet days and, and do extras work on you know, TV, films and, and, and adverts and things like that. And it was, it was when I was doing background for McDonald's advert and the main guy who had been in um, a program, you probably haven't heard of Grange Hills, very children's program from the 80s. He kept on getting his very, very basic lines and actions wrong. He kept on adding little bits and, and opening up this. He was meant to be proposing to his girlfriend. He kept on getting ink wrong. It was very easy. And I just sat and thought, I can definitely do that. I mean, I didn't think I'm going to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio or, or whoever. But I just sat there and thought, I can definitely, definitely do that. Like, I can definitely get my lines correctly. I, I can, de- I mean, I remember his lines, his, his partner's lines, the, ex- like the actions. This is all from years ago. It's just so simple. And I thought, right, you're getting paid a lot of money and you're getting that wrong. That is very, very easy. So I thought, you know, let's, let's give it a go because I, I was already doing background work and a bit of modeling and stand up and everything. So I was, I was performing, you know, more and more. And I'd done public speaking and won awards for that and everything. So it, it gradually led up to sort of my, just this point where I thought, I want to find out if I could do that because I was already performing and I enjoyed performing. And, you know, I, I don't really have much of a, I don't really get embarrassed. Like doing stuff in front of people doesn't bother me. I was as, at that stage as well. I, I was already working with a couple of um, stag and hen parties. So I was, I was doing life modeling classes for hen parties. So I was, I was already like getting naked in front of a room full of women I'd never met before. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, um, and that's, that's, that is something that I will say to, you know, actors like, you know, you have to do stuff like that. You have to, like, if you never sing karaoke, sing karaoke. If you only sing karaoke drunk, sing karaoke sober. If you never talk to strangers, learn to talk to strangers. Just, just yeah, you have to break down these barriers off. And if you can, you know, if, if, if you can just get naked in front of a bunch of people, I mean, you know, not in the middle of Trafalgar Square on a Monday afternoon, but if, if you can do something like that and be completely fine in that environment, because, you know, there's, there, there's going to be scenes you're going to have to do you know, may, and, and it might just be an intimate scene. It might be something where you are not necessarily naked, but, you know, the premise is you're naked. It could be a scene where you're having to do something. You might have to kiss somebody of the same sex. And, and if you're, you know, if you have a problem with that, that is going to be a problem. And you need to be f- absolutely comfortable doing these things in front of a sound guy and a camera guy and a director and, you know, some guy you don't know what his job is and if it is, you know, is he even meant to be there? You have to be comfortable doing that. So if you can't stand in front of a bunch of people and sing karaoke, unless you are blind drunk, 
there's 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 a little bit of work on that filter of you have to to a certain degree not give a fuck yeah it that makes perfect sense and it's probably it's funny they talk about children actors versus adult actors and i think Mm -hmm. one thing that makes children actors good is that they don't have that inhibition you know they're totally okay with running and doing all kinds Mm -hmm. of random stuff because they don't filter themselves like we do as adults Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're totally not as a, as a child. You're not thinking like, oh, what are they? Oh, what are they going to think of me? I mean, when I'm with, I've got two children, a, a ten-year-old and a seven-year-old, and when I'm with them, I'm very aware that I will be running around with my children, climbing on the climbing frame, playing hide and seek, climbing through tunnels, and you know, pretending to be a pirate or whatever. And I'll do all of these things. But I will be very, very aware that the vast majority of other parents will be sat down on their phone or watching their children, but not joining in. And it's like, I understand that, you know, a lot of parents are just going to be knackered and they're like, right, I just want to sit down. I'm absolutely exhausted. And I, and I totally get that. But, you know, a certain amount of that is going to be like, oh, I don't feel, whereas I'm just, I'm, I'm the crazy dad running around you know, putting on voices, joining in with other kids, just because I don't care. It's, it's, it's like, just be a child. You know, if you can't be a child when you are with your own children, when any, anyone looking at you is just going to think, you know, if anything, they're just going to think, wow, what a, what a, you know, what a great dad, what a great mum. You know, if you can't do it then when you have permission to, like, Jesus, when can you do it? You're never going to be able to do it on stage if you can't just do it when you're allowed to do it. Yeah. You know, just stop caring what people think. Yeah. Well, I think that's good advice for anything in life, really, but uh, especially for actors and actresses. Maybe not if you're a politician, maybe caring what people think is, is you know. That's <laughs> what gets you voted. I mean, for actors and performers. Yeah. 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 If you're actors and performers, it's like, I think it was, um, it was um, Anthony Hopkins. There's a meme out there where he just says, you know, what other people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> and it's like that, actually, that's very, that's very freeing when you just go, you know, when you reach a level where you really don't care what other people think, you've reached a whole new level of, of freedom. Obviously, you know, when you're on set and you're working with other actors and, you know, you have to, you do have to care what other people think because what, what you say and, you know, how you behave on set is, is massively going to affect your, you know, nobody wants to work with a pain in the ass. But when it comes to um, other stuff, it's like, oh, just enjoy life. Stop caring what other people think. Most people spend so much time thinking about what other people think of them without actually realizing that, you know what, no one's thinking about you because everyone is thinking about themselves. So do what you want to do. No one's paying attention. There you go. That could be a meme right there. No one's <laughs> <laughs> because everyone's thinking <laughs> about that. themselves. <laughs> everyone is. Everyone is thinking about themselves. No one, it's, we spend so much time, we'll do something and then we'll beat ourselves up and we'll go, oh God, I must have looked like an idiot. And uh, just, but everyone is so wrapped up in their own lives. Five minutes after you've done that thing that you think everyone's going to be thinking about forever and it's going to make you look like an asshole and whatever, just they've forgotten it because they're thinking about what they're going to have for dinner or, you know, does the girl they've been talking to on Facebook or Instagram actually like them or not? And da, 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 da. it's just 
Hey, what I don't care. Yeah, I, I, I do a bit of photography for, for uh, actual income. And it's funny because I talk to people about that when, when they're having their pictures done. And I'm like, the, the, you, people are like, oh, I look terrible in pictures. I look terrible in pictures. And it's because you're thinking so much about how terrible you look in pictures. That's what makes you look terrible in pictures. So you need to get rid of that thought. And then that's what gets you looking good in mm-hmm. pictures is, is, is just to kind of own it and enjoy it and have fun with it. And acting's the same way. When you're out there, you're in character, you're doing the scene, whether it's on stage or on film, yeah. and you're not thinking about how is this looking, you're just in that moment and it comes across so much better. There are some things that you have to do as a, you know, when you are starting out acting, and very often when you're doing acting, I'll say to people, look, you know, just apply for all of the modeling sites as well. People do that thing where they just go, oh, I'm not a model. I'm not good enough to, you know, oh, no, I'm not. Model. And it's like, do you know what? It's not for you to say because everyone has seen a poster or an advert with someone and they've, and they've looked at the guy or they've looked at the girl. And, it's, you know, we, we all like to think we're not judgmental, but we are. You can't go through life without judging things. It's just the way that we are naturally. But everyone has seen an advert and they've looked at the guy or they've looked at the girl and thought, really? Really? Because it's just, you, you see people and you just think, he's not good looking or, or they're a bit weird looking or, you know, and it's just, it's not for you to say whether you are or aren't good looking enough or interesting enough or whatever to, you know, to be a model. It's like, put yourself out there. You never know who is going to say yes and go, you're exactly what we're looking for. And you go, really? And it's like, yeah. It's like, just put yourself out there. But when you are doing new things like, short films or if you're going out and you're and you're getting shots out of shoot in um soho last week and usually soho is very very busy but at the moment obviously it's it's, it's like 28 days later but mm. when you're doing those shots you're stood in the middle of the street having your shot taken and 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 strangers are walking past all the time and you need to be comfortable with just completely ignoring them. And, and if anything, put yourself in the character of, in, in, the, in the mindset of, okay, I'm going to play the character of, I am a very successful model and this is a shoot for a magazine cover or something. Like those people, they don't know. But it's like, well, make it, make it an acting project. You know, who is your favorite model? What are they doing? Imagine you are them and just go, Bang. because if, at least if you're acting like your professional model and, you know, it's, it's the cover of a magazine, you're more likely to get some very, very good prints that could lead on to the cover of a magazine or something you don't know. But if you stood there thinking, oh, I'm not good enough and whatever, exactly what you said, it's just, it's got to come across. It's like fake it till you make it to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. How do you find being a presenter different from being an actor? Like kind of what are those kind of skill set differences between the two? With the presenting, it's, you're not really, it's like you are acting because you're acting as the face of a company or, but it, it's much more, like it's it's less free and it's less realistic what you tend to get representing. I mean, if it's if it's green screen and you've got auto cue, 
then it's great, you know, because because you still have to read it in a very you, you still have to read it in a very structured way that comes across with with the right emphasis on certain points and certain wordings and phrases and some of those can be very technical and so you have to look at the script beforehand and make sure if there's a word you've never heard before or I've done some stuff for pharmaceutical companies there might be dialogue and terminology that you've you've never heard before so you might have to say to the people okay how do you how do you pronounce this word or don't Look it up on look it up on your phone. Look it up on YouTube. You can pretty much type in how to pronounce, and then whatever word it is, and and it will come up. So there can be a lot of that sort of unnatural terminology to you. Um, it tends to be framed a lot tighter. So if you are on the spot, you're not going to be doing as much moving around because because when you say where's my where's my start and end frame you know where unless it's a unless it's a walking and talking scene you can be confined if it is a walking and talking scene you have to learn to walk while looking at the camera and saying certain things when you reach a certain point so there will be a lot of finding your end point and saying right okay you know this this is the end point and looking at where your foot is or looking for a, a reference point it could be a, a part of a fence it could be a line on the floor piece of chewing gum whatever and then you have to walk backwards while reciting your lines forwards so you know exactly where your start point is you can't count your steps but you have to know when you get to a certain point that's where you are to finish on a certain line or emphasis so there's there's a lot more blocking in presenting work and and you you can also get a lot of gesticulating to invisible things so you have to learn to point in exactly the same point every single time knowing that they're going to superimpose wording or images or something so it's yeah using your imagination a lot is there Whereas regular acting is much more freeing because you learn the character and the backstory and, you know, what do I want from the scene? Who am I? Where am I? What am I? What's my intention? There's, there's a lot more to get your teeth into. Whereas presenting work, in some ways it's easier, in some ways it's harder. But it's, it's, it's good to do because it can be very, it can be very lucrative if you get a, a good commercial gig, it can pay some, you know, good money. Even the smaller roles, uh, you know, two, three hundred pounds sometimes, which for an early gig is good. And if they like you, very often they will, um, you know, they'll rebook you, which you don't always get from student films and other things. Do you find it, because I, I would find a bit more, because let's say you're doing a scene as an actor and you flub a line or something like that, you can maybe back it up a mm -hmm. few lines or, Whereas if you're presenting to your example of if you're walking, talking, and you have to hit your lines at a certain point, you flub mm. a line, you then have to kind of start all the way at the beginning again? Uh, yes. I mean, to that sense, it is, it is the same. But to a certain extent, it, is, it can be easier. It's all about the mindset because very often they will block off little pieces 
So you'll be walking and talking, and I'm saying this, and I hit this point, and I say this, and I pause. Mm. And because you get that, so it's not going to be a long, you know, I'm doing the thing at the end of this month, and it's, it's, it's like a 10-minute monologue. It's just me, and it's live. So that's, that's the type of thing where you go, okay, I've really, really got to get this. Whereas with the presenting stuff, again, unless it is live, it's, it's really not a problem because you just you say the bit and you fluff a line and you go, ah, crap, okay, let's start again. And you can just bang, bang, bang and just do it again and again and again. But it, it can be easier to learn those lines and everything because you have the layering of step, step, this point, stop, look at the camera, say this thing. It gets very it can be very easily programmed into your mind because it's not an emotional thing, which is what you need to learn the lines and, and the intricacies of an acting role. Mm. But because it is so repetitive, you very quickly pick it up. So it, it has its pros and cons. It's not the most interesting, but it can be easier to, to get those scenes done, knowing that it's not going to be a real long thing. So you just do a little bit and they'll go, okay, we'll just start again from this point. They can chop it and cut it and everything because the end result is very often chopped with uh, their insert slides and graphics and things anyway. So in that sense, it's a lot, it's, it is easier. Mm. Any tips for reading off autocue or a teleprompter to make it not look like you're reading off of one? A couple of run-throughs first, definitely. I mean, ask them to, if it is on the screen, while they're setting up, you can find out that you know, the, the name of the person who's in charge of the auto queue and, and say, Could you, can you keep it looping? And then while they're setting up the lights and everything else, you can look at it because then you can learn, you can learn the speed that is going to be the speed that they want. But you can get an idea of, okay, how fast do they want it? And again, you can speak to the director and say, well, okay, what sort of pace do you want it at? And then use that time while they're doing it to just run through, see if there are any words you've never heard of before, and just keep on looping it over and over and over rather than sitting there and just thinking, okay, you know, I'll wait until they've set the lights up and everything. If the camera's there and they can get it on screen. Just go through it as many times as possible because, yes, you are reading off the screen, but exactly like you said, you don't want it to look like you are reading off auto cue. You know, you want to be Barack Obama. You don't want to be Donald Trump. Right. You want exactly. to make sure that you can, you know, <laughs> you know or Dick Cheney. You know, we're just, we're just going to be, um, it's not Cheney, is it? Who's, who's up there at the moment against Trump anyway? Oh, Biden, Joe Biden. But Biden, there was a, I mean, there was a real big thing there about he can read from an auto cue <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, yeah, you want to make sure that, you know, Donald Trump got, got tripped up by Thailand and said Thailand, you know, and I've no doubt he has been to a place called Thailand with his reputation, but mm -hmm. that's more than likely a, a club in the deep South, isn't it? But you need to go through and utilize the time and just pick up the terminology and the pacing and find out, you know, what do you want me to emphasize on? What do you want me to pause on? You need to find your specific pauses because you don't want to just be talking and reading and it becomes very robotic. You still need certain points and emphasis 
at certain stages and certain pauses and inflections, but utilize the time to, you don't have to be off page, especially if it is very technical, but the more comfortable you are with not actually reading it, the, the better. Yeah. Is it hard sometimes because you mentioned like pharmaceutical companies or maybe mm. some technical company to show enthusiasm mm. for the product, especially if you're reading technical terms and it's like such and such is such a great product and it's, you know, this long technical <laughs> list of things. And you're like, yeah, that is exciting. It's like, it, um, to be fair, normally they don't want you to be, I mean, yes, if it's a kind of a QVC thing where you're advertising a face cream and you're like, this has dioxychlorophic acid, uh, da, da, da. you know, yes, you're going to have to sound exciting about things that you've no idea. I mean, it could be paint strippers, like who just no idea. But a lot of the time it will come down to finding out, do you want me to sound excited or do you want me to, because if, you, if, if you're wearing a lab coat, and you're, you're meant to be sort of more of a, a lab technician, scientist, pharmaceutical person, then you're not necessarily going to be overly enthusiastic. It's more sort of, I am a reputable person and I know what I'm talking about. And this is more informative rather than selling. And that's the type of thing that you need to find out at the, at the beginning, you know, okay, what, what am I? Uh, am I serious? Am I selling? Am I a little bit of a combination of the two? Sometimes they want a little bit of a slight geeky comedic element to it. And it's, it's all the things that you need to find out. But yeah, I mean, if, if you are talking about something that is very, very technical and you're having to sound enthusiastic, then yeah, you're just hamming it up a little bit and pretending. <laughs> Do the best you can. Usually they're very good and they'll just go, okay, you know, that, that, was, that was really good, but can we up it a little bit or can we just, you know, tone down the enthusiasm? They're, they're very good at giving you that, that direction. Sometimes they just want you to do the same thing several times with slightly more, slightly less enthusiasm so they can show the the company that they're filming the advert for and and let them decide what it is that they want so learning to it goes back to acting school where you have to say the same thing over and over and over again but in different tones and meanings and emotions and inflections and things that's the purpose of it because sometimes you will be saying the same thing over and over again in as many different ways as possible just to cover your basis. Do you have a preference between acting or presenting work? I enjoy acting more, definitely, because I like the homework of looking at, I mean, the character that I am working on at the moment for this play at the end of the month. It's like a combination of Nigel Farage blended with a bit of Russell Brand charm, blended with a, a, a television chef, and he's very, uh, he's very verbose and erudite in his language. He's, his linguistic abilities, uh, he uses them to sort of charm and, and put the audience under a spell, and he's very much, you know, I, I love that side of it and going, 
okay, is he is he a psycho? Is he is he not a psycho? Do we want the audience to think he is or not? You know, where where is he now? And how does he feel about that? You know, what's the juxtaposition between the reality of his situation and his perception of where he is? I mean, this this character believes he's this great hero and this leader and he's saving these people and doing this fantastic cause. Whereas the, you know, the reality of it is very different. But this guy has it in his head. He's, he's, I mean, he's so sort of delusional, but at the same time, there's a lot of power in his self-belief and delusion that he's able to, you know, kind of, he's like a con artist and get these people in. And I, I love that. Uh, sounds fun. That, that's a paragon of animals. That's the paragon of a paragon of animals. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuart has done a very good, very good job with this, uh, this role he's created. That's a stage performance. Um, yeah. How is that going to work with the whole uh, distancing and all that kind of stuff? We're away from the audience. Tables are going to be set up socially distanced. It's, it's outside. Okay. So that is it's, it's heavily reliant on weather. You know, nothing that we can do about that. But because it is outside... Mm-hmm. We don't have to worry too much about social distancing. And because of my performance as well, being very grandiose and, 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 and I'm going to, it will give me the possibility of getting people who aren't technically in the audience to stop and watch what's happening because they won't know what it is. So yeah there's i'm I'm looking forward to it you know well speaking of theater you did uh the edinburgh fringe festival i did the edinburgh fringe yep mm-hmm. done the edinburgh fringe four times so gone up with i went up in 2014 yeah, I went up in 2014. I always forget, and then I look at my forearm because I've got the title of my show tattooed on my forearm oh, nice. with, the, with the date on it. So I'm sort of like, oh, yeah, it was then. So 2014, my first show, I just went up, and it was, it was just me for an hour doing stand-up. And it was very much just me, my life, where I came from, where I am, intermixed with you know characters from my life and everything. And then the next three shows, so I went up in, in 15, 16, 17. The next three shows was a show, it was a PowerPoint show about sort of not necessarily PC gone mad, but just the ridiculousness of the world now in the sense that we have to signpost absolutely everything you know, because there are a lot of very dumb people and very much, uh, uh, we're very much in this, you know, where there's a, where there's a, a blame, there's a claim society, which means now we, we have signs above urinals that say, do not drink the water and signs on fences with great big sharp spikes saying, please do not sit on the fence and just ridiculous things. And it, yeah, it, it all started from, I saw a very complex instruction 
in a uh, in a public toilet about how to wash your hands and it was it was sponsored or paid for by the nhs and it was like i mean this is your mum and dad's job to tell you how to wash your hands this isn't the job of the nhs to show people on a 15 point step-by-step guide this is how you wash your hands it's like so uh yeah went up and, and and did that four times and i really i didn't go last year and obviously nobody went this year so it's a real shame but the edinburgh fringe is incredible just nothing like it do you have um you have an agent you mentioned do you have more than one agent for like maybe one for voice one for acting or is it uh, just one agent you work with I've got one for I've got one who puts me forwards for the roles on Spotlight for acting and big adverts, and um, that is uh, Gina Long of Long One Artists, who um, she won't mind me saying that because she is just absolutely lovely. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's very important the relationship you have with your agent i've had a previous agent where the relationship was just terrible They're just their communication skills were incredibly bad so when they dropped me i was very happy because i was i was i was already broaching the subject you know how can i how can i drop these people do you ever drop an agent and you know if they're not working for you yes whereas my relationship with gino is just incredible incredible she'll put me forward for roles she'll check if it's okay she knows that she's absolutely fine with me not taking any roles or adverts that are animal-based products i've said to her don't put me forwards for milk cheese you know laughing cow mcdonald's and, and she's absolutely fine she's like yep fine and um i see the notes that she sends when she puts me forwards for roles. she'll always email me in and um and, and the notes are really complimentary as well. So oh, that's I, nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Did, how did you find her? Did you reach out to her? Did somebody know her and they recommended you? What was that? Yeah, I was on an advert and uh, got chatting to the main guy about his agent and his agent was Gina Long. And he just said, yeah. So I said, would you mind that if I, you know, got in touch and, you know, referenced yourself? And he said, that's absolutely fine. And what I did first was go on her site, have a look at who was on her books, and then really thought about, okay, where do I fit in her books? What do I, what do I bring to her books that the other guys don't? And, and a big thing for me is I can look like a businessman, but then if I take my shirt off, I'm covered in tattoos and, and like muscular and cut. So I, I look like a sort of, very lean sort of cage fighter. So I've got this, well, I can be that or I can be that. So the versatility, and fortunately somebody had left her books and I fit the gap that they left. So it was really right, right time, right place. Did you email her with that information or call her or both? I emailed very reluctant to call, you know, because I'll get phone calls all the time. So I emailed and just, you know, introduced myself and said that I'd worked with, you know, this particular guy and he spoke very highly of her and, you know, and and just referenced what he had said and how that aligns with my values of, you know, having a relationship with 
your agent. And then I went on to, you know, these are the, I can see you've got a couple of people on your books in my age bracket. However, this is where I feel I am different from these people. And it was enough for her to sort of like go. And I, I had my show reel and everything and, and some modeling shots and headshots and everything. And it was enough for her to go, well, yeah, actually, I, I think you do fill this hole that this, this other person had left. And we had a chat and we had a Zoom meeting. And then before you knew it, she was my new agent. And yeah, very, very glad that I spoke to that particular actor on that advert. <laughs> very glad. Sounds like it worked out really well. How long have you been yeah. with her? Been with her for a couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really, really good. And she puts me up for a lot of, a lot of stuff. So, and we've had, you know, recalls and very close shaves and everything. But the stuff that she puts me up for, a lot of people are going to be going up for. So we're both well aware that we're playing the long game and considering I didn't yeah. start until five years ago, I'm just happy to be, you know, getting, getting recalls and castings. And, and I am on agents for um, like modeling agencies and things. So I get other work from there and then I'm on the on books for, uh, I don't have a voiceover agent, but that's, that is something that I'm working on as well. Yeah, uh, it sounds like you're doing really well, absolutely, for not being at it for quite as long. Yeah, I get, I, I, I get a decent amount of work. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't tend to watch TV. I tend to, when I'm, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not working, I listen to a lot of podcasts, watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, constantly looking at, okay, how can I get, how can I get, you know, when I was starting out, how can I get modeling shots and, and headshots, you know, for free? And, you know, what do I need to do to, you know, what's another thing that I can do? Because you, you, you can't just rely on one thing. But the, the thing that I have been doing since I started was building a very, very large list of links to various sites and YouTube channels and, you know, companies that employ actors for teaching jobs or whatever and just building this massive list and then I was on something last week for Amazon and was just chatting to this this young guy who had just started out and I was like yeah that you know if it helps I've got this list give me your email and I'll, I'll send it over and I'm always doing that because we are in an industry where people are very reluctant to share things. It's like everyone thinks everybody else is their competition, which isn't. Yeah, it it, it isn't true. What's whatsoever? It's we're all in it together. And and my theory is, you know, if you help other people, you never know when that is going to come round, and and that person that you help is in a position where they can, you know, they can help you in return. It's just it's nice to be nice. So be that be the type of person that you would want when you started out in the industry. Yeah, I agree. I think people would be are more inclined to get work by working with other people and trying to help each uh, other out yeah. because you, you know it's remembered versus mm-hmm. you know not helping the other person out and mm-hmm. then it does not come back around and I certainly would agree with that as well. Yeah. And uh, last thing here if people want to track you down social media or wherever 
where would they find you? I'm very, very easy to find. I'm on Facebook, Adam Brumfield Strawn. I am um, on Instagram. Got a couple of Instagram. The main one is Adam Making It Happen, which is just one one M. So it's it's Adam Making It Happen. So it just it all flows just to make it a little bit quirky and working on um i'm having the website done for the life coaching and that's that's going to be up soon on instagram which is um absolution coaching but it's it's not live yet but if people want to follow me on there then when that's up and running they'll see posts from that as well but very easy to find I'll throw the links in the show notes as well. Awesome. And the play is Paragon of Animals. Yes, it's it's Paragon of Animals. It's a night put on by Patch Plays 2020. So there are going to be five plays and they're all centered around environmental issues, animal rights, sort of very current what is happening. It's a scratch play. And it's going to be outside on the 20th and 21st of September at the Tide Tables Cafe in Richmond. All right. And I did want to ask, uh, sorry, I know I said last question, but I'm going to caveat that with one more question. You did mention (laughs) podcasts and YouTube. (laughs) Uh, You did mention podcasts and YouTube. Uh, Any recommendations for people listening? Like uh, maybe your top two or three? Act, the Actors Group, Conversations and Craft by Daniel Tami. Is, that's a podcast? That's a podcast. There's a podcast called um, Actors Talk by Tommy G. Kendrick, which I've listened to an awful lot, which is really, really good. And there's, a, there's another called Inside Acting Podcast. If people are more into theatre, then Actors in Conversation is the National Theatre podcast and then you know for youtube you've got you know around the actors table is a great youtube channel there's an awful lot on there actors on actors is a good one they're great the spotlight um a lot of people still don't go on spotlight but spotlight.com uh news and advice you've got things like how to self-tape you know, and a lot of people still get very basic things wrong. So the Spotlight page and Spotlight have a podcast as well. So I would mm. definitely recommend that. It's the type of thing rather than when you're traveling on the tube and you're just, you know, playing Candy Crush Saga and stuff like that. Listen to a podcast, watch a YouTube channel, you know, get some audio books, audio books of, you know, you can join Audible for £8 a month and listen to, you know, Brian Cranston, Life in Parts, and, you know, just various other actors, listen to their autobiographies and learn what they did and what they went through. Because some of those, just you get absolute gems. And, it, and it's nice to hear about actors that have maybe been homeless and, you know, the crappy jobs that they did and, and all sorts, because it, it gives you a real sense of hope that it's like these people that we know as very famous actors, very successful. You know, they, they started out where we are. You know, some of them are living in cars and just not being able to pay their rent and all sorts. So it's yeah, 
it's a nice reminder. Not everyone appears on the TV or cinema screen overnight. An overnight success can take 20, 30 years. It's just, you know, you've got to put the work in. Absolutely. Yeah. Not too many people get their big break on the first audition. Most of the time, it's a lot of no's and a lot of hustling until it happens. Every no takes you closer to the next yes. If you get a no, you go, great. That's one no down. One no down. <laughs> if anything, you, you want the no, you want the no's. You want the no's. Just give me a no. Give me a no. Give me a no. Every single no leads you. I remember hearing about, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy's name who was in The Incredible Hulk. But um, the, the latest one, not the one from the 1970s. But uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo, I mean, he had hundreds of auditions before he landed uh, his his big break. He was just, you know, tenacity has a lot. If you if you refuse to give in, you know, the longer you the longer you're out there doing it, the more chance you have. At some point, somebody has to say yes. It's just you know the law of um, odds or whatever. You know, at some point, somebody has to say yes. It's just. You've got to keep on going. Inspirational words to end it on. Yeah. So thank, <laughs> thank you very much, Adam. It was a pleasure talking to you. No I know we went a bit long there, but I think it was all fascinating stuff. So uh, I totally appreciate it. Oh, glad, glad to be on and, you know, glad to, glad to help. All right. Thanks, Adam. No worries at all. Nice speaking to you, buddy. You too. Have a nice day. Take care. Bye. Bye.